Hi, I'm Michael. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm also the missions director. As a church, we are committed to answer God's call to reach every nation. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and chapter 3. I want to read that part of that passage in chapter 1, verse 3, 4, and 5. And this is what it says. I thank God whom I serve and did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And as I remember your tears, I long to see you and I may be filled, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now... I'm sure dwells in you as well. This is a passage of scripture that is close to me personally. I grew up with uh, a mother who had the habit of reading her Bible every day. Apparently, my mother got it from my grandmother. My mother passed, learned her Bible reading and her faith from her mother, Flora, my grandmother. When I was in high school, I would see uh, Flora, my grandmother, reading her Bible. When I arrived at around 3 p.m., I would still see her reading her Bible. I made a, a heart vow. You know, have you done those? Sometimes you make a vow in your heart. I made a heart vow when I was in high school, and I said, someday I'm going to be reading my Bible the way my grandmother had been reading hers. And, well, to cut the story short, I ended up reading my Bible at the age of 18 (laughs) when I came and heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when I was in college. But this is an amazing scripture to show us that faith could be passed down to the next generation. But we want to look at where we are, though. I'd like to read this, uh, this quote from... Uh, from a, an English journalist who made this quote. It says, Every generation imagines itself to be more intelligent than the one that went before it and wiser than the one that comes after it. In other words, every generation is the generation. <laughs> so we, all would, we would always think that the past generation was... Uh, you know, that was okay, but we are more intelligent. Or we look at the next generation and we say, nah, our, our generation is still the best. We have that, we, there's that animosity between generations. You know, even here in the Philippines, we're guilty of that as well. And we see, you know, when we gather together as families, we have the Older, the adults on a table and made up of of, of nada, you know. While the small kids are out there in a small small white tables and chairs called monoblocks. They're isolated. They're not necessarily, necessarily part of the conversation amongst the adults. We have these sayings amongst us and we say, Papunta ka pa lang, pauwi na ako. You see, that saying is really putting a wedge between two generations. We also have this, marami ka pang kakainin na bigas. We look down on the next generation. 
The other one is, tumahimik ka, may gatas ka pa sa labi mo. And so we, 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 if we cannot stop them, we, if we cannot put a wedge, then we just tell them to shut up. But that's not the culture though. That, that's not the attitude that we need to have because we are now the church. We don't say those words anymore. Especially when we are battling a different kind of generation Nowadays, a generation that had been defined, apparently by, by according to the book I'm reading, she was saying that the generation had been defined by Whitney Houston way back in the 80s with the song, The Greatest Love of All. Now, let me, let me look at the lyrics, the main core uh, of, of the lyrics. Let me, let me read that part. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. Initially, when you hear the song, it is as if he's talking about the love of Jesus. Apparently, it's about the love of self. It became the seed for this generation me that we are in right now. Obviously, we're not talking about the, you know, our, uh, you know, the, the, Generation um, Z or Alpha, we're, we're talking about the generation Y, the millennials. That's basically the generation, mostly the generation we're in right now, but obviously the, the, the new ones are upcoming. But the point is, that's why we're dealing with a lot of issues but the bottom line of all the issues we're going through to nowadays is because of the idea of narcissism. We see that in all our platforms. It's all about self. And so now we have to battle different types of mental problems. But sometimes the issue is, is it really mental problems or is it an issue of the Word of God? And we're going to go through some of the aspects. You know, um, there's a well-known person by the name of Jordan Peterson, and a, a, a modern-day philosopher, uh, a professor from a university in Canada, and he was asked, if you will be given a question, and what would be your advice to young people in their 20s? Immediately, the professor gave five habits that every person in their 20s should have. Well, I just kind of wrote some of those, and, and he says he should make sure he has a physical well-being, conscientiousness, maintain good relationships, network connection, and philosophical sophistication. And he blurted out those five advice uh, items as his advice for those who are in their 20s. He didn't have any uh, uh, qualms of giving his immediate opinions on things, according, at least, to his expertise. But have we considered what the Bible has to say about addressing the issue of young people today? Especially that we have an issue of generation me. I believe through the Word of God and the Gospel of Christ, we can go counterculture Instead of generation me, we can make it 
Generation We. And there are scriptures that I'd like us to go through, principles from the scriptures we have read. And we're going to go through that right now. And the first challenge and the first thing we can see in the second letter of Apostle Paul, he was about to die. He was on his retiree age and no time to retire because he was about to lose his head. And he wrote this last letter to Timothy, whom he saw during his uh, second, uh, first and second journey when he was still around 19 years old. I believe 19 years old, even younger. And, and so this is what he said in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. What an attitude of a person from that generation to say to a person from the next generation and says, I always remember you in my prayers. In other words, there's someone battling and fighting for the next generation. At least this time he says, I always remember you in my prayers. The challenge for us then is, what can we do in this generation in order for us to intercede and fight for the next generation and have that attitude of Apostle Paul? That would be the challenge for the church. What can we do? Timothy had grew up in a family. Some are speculating that his dad wasn't a believer because he was a Greek, but who knows? Maybe even though his dad is a Greek, probably he was converted as well, but his grandmother became one of the first converts, I believe, in the first journey of Apostle Paul and apparently passed it down to his daughter, uh, Eunice, Louise and Eunice. And as we move on uh, through the text, we will discover that they have taught the principles of the Bible to their, uh, to their son or grandson, uh, to Louise and son, to Eunice. And we will see how did, that, how did that thing come to pass. And we're going to go through that right now. And, 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 and this is Apostle Paul writing it with, in his mind, thinking of Timothy, who is a leader. Some people are saying, why do we have Every Nation Campus? Well, because... We believe that God has given us as a, as a church, as a movement, a burden for future leaders. And since future leaders are found in the campuses, we go to the campuses. Why? Because we believe we're called to reach future leaders. That's why we have Every Nation Campus. And that's it. that is our commitment. Apostle Paul was addressing future leader, quote-unquote, or a leader of a church. And he was exhorting him in light of this because of the prevailing atmosphere that he was supposed to go against. In fact, Timothy was so overwhelmed, it's either he was a shy type kind of a believer or he had a normal courage. It's just that his surrounding and his responsibilities are overwhelming. That's why if you move on to this passage, he says, uh, do not be timid, 
God has not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Why is he saying that? Could it be that Timothy was overwhelmed already? Or he might have been a shy type kind of a believer. And yet Apostle Paul was exhorting him as a leader. May we as a church look at the next generation as future leaders. And so therefore, we re uh, relate with them with that sense of decency and dignity. Praying for you. I always remember you in my prayers. Timothy was bombarded with a lot of false teachers around him. And so now he was giving him this instruction. I'm not going to give you the instruction of Jordan Peterson. I'm going to give you the instruction of Apostle Paul right now from his last letter. And his ways, here are ways to intercede and inculcate faith into the hearts of the next generation. The first one is assure a climate that nurtures faith in God. As this current and present generation, our job is to assure a climate that nurtures faith in God. I'd like us to read our, our one passage. I'm going to read this three times because we have three ways on how to assure uh, and intercede and fight for the young, the next generation. This verse in verse 5, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Louis and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Apostle Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Why was it sincere faith in the first place? The word sincere means authentic faith. Why is Apostle Paul using the word authentic or sincere in describing this faith? Because there are a lot of unauthentic insincere false faith out there. And so now he was about to once again remind him to be protecting the doctrine, to be shepherding the flock, and as a leader, he gave him a little bit of a family history. And he says, I see sincere faith. In you. In other words, you're qualified to be their pastor. You're qualified to be a leader in your generation. You're qualified to fight for your generation because you have sincere faith. We want to make sure we have that sincere faith too, you know. And sincere faith cannot be gotten out of, cannot just be drawn out of YouTube or drawn out from our platforms. It has to be taken out from His Word. And we're going to talk more about that as we move on. It is from the gospel of Christ, that Christ came because of the sins of the world, that God so loved us, He gave His Son to die on our behalf so that we can have eternal life and we can help change the world and advance His kingdom to the world. Folks, that's sincere faith. Faith in what God has accomplished to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so we see here, and how do you do that? How can you allow a culture, a climate that nurtures faith in God? 
Well, it would require people who are above us, who are deliberately teaching. Look at chapter 3 right now, verse 14. Same book, same book, second letter. He says, as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. This is Apostle Paul now saying to Timothy, look, continue in what you have learned. In other words, Apostle Paul was just affirming what he had been learning growing up. And had firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. To whom you think he had learned the gospel in the word of God. Lewis and Eunice, grandmother and mother. People have been faithful in their generation to pass the baton to the next generation. When we, as the, the supposed to be the older ones, are now teaching the next generation, not humanism, not narcissism, but Christianity, the truth of God's word, the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the truth. And when we are able to teach Christ, when we are able to help volunteer in our kid church when things are pretty normal, when we volunteer to go to the campus and, and coach a young person, when we try to connect and talk and, co and communicate with a young person, to our children, we're doing, whether you're a parent, you're a tito or a tita, whether you are uh, uh, single, or married parents, grandparents, we will do our part every time we get the chance to meet with the Timothys around, uh, around us. And so, uh, so once again, we, we see this happening. And, and consistently, Apostle Paul would uh, assure Timothy of this all throughout his letter in verse 8, chapter 1. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. In other words, Apostle Paul was conscious about, uh, uh, about uh, distancing Timothy from the false teaching. And so in order for him to do that, he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord. Verse 8. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. A lot of people have been ashamed of me being in prison. But not you, because I'm in, I'm in here for the testimony of God's word. Verse 12, which is why, chapter 1, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard it until the day what has been entrusted to me. Apostle Paul was showing Timothy, look, I've been faithful with what, what have been entrusted to me, verse 14, by the Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now he's challenging Timothy to guard the good deposit entrusted to him. We see that in our, one of the famous verses in, in the second letter, chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard of from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Once again, you see there 
not just a familial, uh, uh, generational passing down of the faith, but even spiritual children that you have to pass down what have been entrusted to you. There is a propagation of that same truth to the next. There's a missional aspect to it, whether geographical whether gen, gen, uh, or gen, generational. The gospel, the truth of his word ought to be passed to the next. And so that's, that's just my first point, and we're going to be fast in our second point. The second way in order for us to continue to fight for the youth is allow the next generation to encounter God themselves. You give them the chance to encounter God themselves. We will not just let them be inoculated or be Christianized, but not necessarily transformed in the hearts. Let every person in the next generation experience and have a personal encounter with God. Look at this verse again, going back to verse 5, our favorite verse. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Louis, in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Apostle Paul was saying, you were not just soaked into Christianity in your family, but you have it in your heart as well. And I see that sincere faith in your heart. Apparently, Timothy himself had an encounter with God. You want to help fight for this generation? Help create that culture to nurture the faith and allow them to give them the chance to hear the gospel and respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, they, they can't own their own faith. Uh, by borrowing their parents' faith. There is, understand that God has no grandchildren. That's so, too close to me because I have a granddaughter now. But the problem is, we cannot grant, you know, we cannot try to, by association, you think our children will become, will become Christians. Well, they may be influenced, but they themselves have to come to that place of decision of encountering, having an encounter with God. The only thing we can do, declare God's goodness. The only thing we can do, preach the word of God to them. Let them hear it. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. No wonder why grandparents, have you heard of your grandparents, yung mga lola, lola? Alam mo, lola, lola sila kasi every time mamit mo sila, wala silang ginagawa kundi magkwento. At saka yung kwento nila paulit-ulit. Have you, do you have, they have grandparents like that? To those of you who are, you know, can't understand what I just said. Have you noticed grandparents, every time you meet them, they'll always give you the same story over and over again. You've heard it a thousand times, and yet when they say it, it is as if they're saying it for the first time. 
Why do you think? Well, according to this passage of Scripture, we ought to be telling them the mighty works of God. Third, ways on our, how we can fight for this generation, for the next generation, and how we can intercede and inculcate authentic faith in the lives of the young people is not just to assure a climate of, that nurtures faith in God, not just to allow the next generation to hear the gospel and respond to it, but for them to aim to develop future leaders by the grace of God. Just as we are aiming this current generation to develop future leaders, let our children develop future leaders as well as we raise them and speak faith to them and affirm them and affirm God's call in their lives as parents speaking words of encouragement, of faith, and blessing to our children, they too would learn how to speak faith and blessings to their friends and classmates and end up preaching the gospel and see the next generation after them serving God as well. Aim to develop future leaders. This is... Our goal, this, this is why we're doing this series, by the way, because this is not about us. This is not just about our own, uh, you know, existence and survival. But this is about passing the baton to the next generation who would lead the next generation for the glory of God and advancement of God's kingdom. This is why we're doing this. Let me go back to that same verse we have been reading over and over again. Verse 5. Let me read it again. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. You know what Apostle Paul was saying? He was saying, you and I, Timothy, are made out from the same cloth. Timothy, in terms of our faith and spiritual heritage, we are cut from the same cloth. The obligation and the call of duty, this implies for me, it also implies for you. The obligation to preach the gospel and influence the next generation is not just implied to me, the apostle who's about to die. But the calling to do that as well is implied for you. Any young person listening to this message right now, you may be enjoying your, your situation right now, enjoying your parents' food enjoying your parents' house, enjoying borrowing your parents' car. Enjoy it while supply lasts because you are going to be a conduit of blessings, not just to the next generation, but to the people around you. And you become leaders in your generation. Some of you are going to be doctors and lawyers, Politicians with the fear of God in their hearts. 
Some of you are going to be congressmen and governors, mayors, senators, and even future presidents of our nation. Hear this. The Word of God. It says in verse 16 of chapter 3, All Scripture is God-breathed, out of God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is our ultimate tool. More than a course in Harvard University. More than a course in UP. More than a course in Ateneo. This is the scripture, the word of God. God breathed profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That's why as a church, we have this audacity to say, take charge of your generation. You are the, the hope of our nation. Don't hesitate. Don't back down. We want to bless you to be not just successful for yourselves, but for every good work. As we end, some of you parents today may, when you raise your children and they become successful, we attribute it to the grace of God. When you raise your children and you do your best, but they don't become successful, we hold on still to the grace of God. God is sovereign and is in charge. He knows God holds the hearts of leaders in His hands like a water course. Don't be distressed. But know that God has a greater plan and He has a plan that cannot be thwarted by any man. We continue to pray the way Apostle Paul prayed for Timothy. And we will continue to pray for the next generation. Will we be able to counter culture narcissism? Will we be able to go against Generation Me? With the tool in our hands, yes, we can. And we can make it to become Generation We. Where together, the generation before us and the generation after us, we can help bring the kingdom of God advance on this earth because of the grace of God and His love for His people. I want to end with this. We, the present generation, are obliged and we shall be and, and we shall do our part to help the next generation to be directed and be brought to Christ. So I say this. Let every generation prepare the way for the next generation to believe and obey the gospel of Christ. I'd like us to pray right now. Father God, thank you for this message reminding us that we cannot afford to be passive. We cannot afford to have tacit consent and let things go by. We cannot afford, Lord, because we are the church and you've called the church to call forth young people and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is the word of God. This is your destiny. 
destiny that can be found, your purpose that can be found in His will and His word, in His scripture. So Lord, I pray today for every parent listening to this message, every grandparent listening to this message, to continue, Lord, to influence with their sincere faith to the next. And I pray for every young person listening to this message, every high school, college, university student listening to this message, that, Lord, that we don't have to succumb to the pressure of this generation, that we can come out victorious and fulfill the destiny God has for each and every one of us. We give you all the glory and the honor because you are the God of generations. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say, Amen and Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join a victory group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us in discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.